Hello, welcome to the Pulse at Poons podcast. My name is Michael. I'll be your host today. I had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Shadana Dharmapuri during the orientation week. Dr. Dharmapuri graduated from Poons for MD program in 2002. She completed her residency in pediatrics at University of Illinois in Chicago, and then a fellowship in adolescence medicine at Children's National Medical Center in Washington, D.C. She's currently an attending pediatric physician specializing in adolescence medicine at Cook County Hospital. She's also an associate professor at University of Illinois in Chicago. Here's my conversation with Dr. Dharmapuri. Hi, welcome to the Pulse at Pumps podcast. My name is Michael. Today, we're very lucky to have Dr. Um, Dharmapuri with us today. Um, hi, doctor. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm good. Um, so uh, we want to start off with a question. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about your time before you got to Pumps? Sure. So I'm originally from Chicago. I had done my um, bachelor's degree at Boston University and I got it in English. Um, I took some pre-med courses, but not a lot. I wasn't 100% sure about medical school at that point. And after college, I worked for a few years. I did a year of research, and then I did um, a couple of years of working for a publishing company. And that really wasn't for me. <laughs> so I decided that I wanted to complete my pre-med courses so I did a post-baccalaureate program through University of Illinois at Chicago and decided to apply to medical school. I see. Um, can you tell us how you heard about Pooms and then how you decided to come here? Sure. So at that time, um, my dad um, is a physician. He's a neonatologist. He was working at University of Illinois at Chicago. And he had actually developed a relationship with Pooms. Um, with the direct uh, the rector at that time and they were developing um, like a neonatology program and mm -hmm. how to improve it and this is probably in the early 1990s mm -hmm. and so my dad had known about the development of pooms because the first class was in 1993 <laughs> and he had been talking to me about um, maybe applying here um, but it took him a few years to convince me. <laughs> um, but you know, when I went back for my post-baccalaureate um, degree and was going through the process and thinking about like, okay, I'm a little bit older, I'm applying to medical school here, but if it doesn't work out, what's my backup plan? I decided to also apply to POMS at that time. Well, I see, that's a very fascinating story. Um, so can you take us through your journey at Pooms? What were like the top challenges that you faced? And then what was the, um, what did you enjoy the most? What were the most memorable things? Sure, so um, I think what was really important to me was at that time I had made the determination that I wanted to go to medical school. And so I was super excited that I got into Pooms because I 
you know, I had gone through this process of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, tried something, wasn't interested, and now I was really on my journey. And so when I came out here, although I had known about the school, I had never been to Poland. <laughs> it was um, about eight or nine years after the Berlin Wall had come mm-hmm. down and it was post-communism. And I don't think I really had any concept of what to expect mm-hmm. of my visit here. So I didn't know Polish, I didn't know how to get around, I knew a few people here, but it was, you know, I was pretty naive. I think it took me maybe the first month to figure out where I can even get food from. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge challenge because there was no store behind Escalop. Like we yeah. all stayed in Escalop. Yeah, yeah. And so I had to find, they used to have these little stores called Barmelechnes where you can go and get like regular Polish foods. Like they had breakfast, lunch and dinner when it was like a set menu. Um, there wasn't a grocery store like you have now, like mm-hmm. these big grocery stores. There were little kiosks all over the place. So I had to figure out how to do that, how to like walk to my classes, <laughs> do, you know, just do like simple things that um, were really important for living. Yeah. So that was kind of, that was my biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. In, in coming here. Yeah. Um, you know, memorable experiences, I think, definitely working with Professor Bachisco, my pathology professor. Mm-hmm. So she would have us um, come and do oral pres- like oral testing, and she would invite us to her house. We would, you know, dress up in our mm-hmm. formal clothes. <laughs> We would come as a group because it was safer in a group and she would serve us tea and drinks and some cookies and have her sit on her couch and then after about 20 minutes she would start grilling us (laughs) on robins so that was pretty memorable wow that's uh completely different from um, what we do now Yeah. yeah yeah and so I mean, I think there were so many things about my time here that were, um, that stood out to me as opportunities that I don't think I would have had if I had gone to an American medical school. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a couple of um, my classmates, they would go to the emergency room at night and they got to do tons and tons of procedures there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that at that time the same opportunity would have been given to them if mm-hmm. they were in an American medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were first and second year students at the time. Yeah. So it was pretty exciting <laughs> to do those yeah, things. Yeah. Um, so lots and lots of hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. Probably more. I see. Um, so now you're an attending physician um, in pediatrics and with a specialization in adolescence medicine. Can you tell us a little bit more about these specialties, um, pediatrics specifically, and then what is adolescent medicine? Sure. So um, 
pediatrics so it's i'm board certified in general pediatrics so i take care of i can take care of kids anywhere from the age of birth all the way up to the age of 18 for general pediatrics and then i decided to do a fellowship after my pediatric residency and um in youth so adolescent medicine covers the age group of 12 all the way up to 25 sometimes 30 mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that subspecialization focuses on like a lot of reproductive health um, mental health um, HIV drug use eating disorders um, transgender care so lots of things that affect um, that particular age range. Mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, um, can you tell us a little bit about the process of how you decide to pursue pediatrics? And, yeah. So I think when I was in my fourth year of medical school, this is around the time when we were applying to do rotations in the States. I knew that I didn't want to do necessarily adult medicine, like that wasn't what I was truly interested in. I was interested in kids, but I was really interested in OB-GYN as well. And so I had applied for rotations um, at Texas Children's and Baylor's. Um, in unitology and pediatric cardiology, and then I went, applied for rotations at UIC in Hemoc, PEDS, and then um, uh, maternal fetal medicine rotation. And I think what really sealed the deal for pediatrics was <laughs> my rotation in maternal fetal medicine. Mm -hmm. I think the, like, it just wasn't, for me, mm -hmm. after that experience, I yep. think the experience was, you know, it was working with the residents, mm -hmm. it was working with the attendings, yep. um, where I was kind of like, do I, can I really see myself doing this mm -hmm. for five years? Am I going to mm -hmm. be happy? Because it's a really big chunk of yeah, my life. That's true, like, that's true, yeah. am I going to, mm -hmm. like, is this the environment that I'm going to be? like the most happy and will thrive mm -hmm. and I and I didn't feel like that would work for me. I see. I really like the way you put it. You have to be able to see yourself in five years whether or not you'll still like this specialty. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I think, you know, this is, a ch it's a really hard choice to make when, mm -hmm. when you're making this decision because this is your one opportunity to train and really become well acquainted with the work that you're going to do yeah. hopefully for your lifetime mm -hmm. and you know it's a lot of pressure because you feel that this is it mm -hmm. and so um i think um how you feel not just like what you know is really important when you're choosing your like when you're choosing your specialty, mm -hmm. because again, this is a lifetime commitment. It's really hard to get a second residency mm -hmm. if you don't like the residency <laughs> that you have, um, and you've dedicated already four years of your time mm -hmm. 
to learning the material and so hopefully you're going to be in something that's going to make you happy. I see. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what's a typical day like as an attending physician in pediatrics? Sure. So I work for an organization that is um, a teaching organization. So we do have medical students, residents, and fellows. Um, a typical day for me in adolescent medicine um, can be a morning at juvenile detention where I go in around 8.30, I see the kids who are in detention. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of primary care, but it can also be some subspecialty care. So treating sexually transmitted infections, um, talking to them about immunizations, or like doing like wound care because they had a gunshot wound mm. or like a broken bone from wow. getting into a fight. Um, Part of it is teaching, because mm -hmm. we do have a lot of learners with us, so having residents and like helping them do like a good medical interview with mm -hmm. an adolescent, um, you know, making sure that they get pertinent information, but also like establishing rapport, and like how do you talk to an adolescent? Mm -hmm. what's, what is consent and confidentiality for them? Mm -hmm. um, Part of my time after clinic is spent on administration, so making sure that I finished my notes, <laughs> <laughs> do all my billing, make sure that I call patients about their lab results. And then part of my time is also with education and other academic work. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have obligations to do formal didactic teaching for the residents and medical students and our fellows. Mm -hmm. um, providing, like also doing, writing research papers, contributing to chapters, um, and then contributing to the department as a whole, mm -hmm. because we're part of the Department yes. of Pediatrics. Mm -hmm. So making sure that, you know, we're doing what we need to do for quality improvement or uh, resident wellness, mm -hmm. et cetera. I see. Um, you mentioned that part of your responsibility is to educate the residents and medical students. When you're evaluating a student, what are some of the qualities that um, it's, I guess, it's for, um, to stand out for medical students? So I think one of the most important thing for any learner is to show curiosity and to be an active learner. Um, so there will be rotations that people will go through that they're not really interested in, but they have to do. Mm -hmm. And, but I think that there's value even in doing the work that you're really not interested in. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm always looking to see how engaged the learner is. Like you don't have to love it, mm -hmm. but are you willing to learn? Yeah. And you don't have to be like the best student or the most knowledgeable student. Mm -hmm. But did you progress through the rotation? Did you say, mm -hmm. okay, I didn't know X, Y, and Z, and then you made that effort to learn about that? Mm -hmm. Would you say it's very important to show commitment, just willingness to, to commit to the work and maybe the specialty if you're really interested in? Absolutely. So I think anything that you're interested in, it's really important to show like your commitment. And showing commitment is like just basic 
stuff like showing up on time, being prepared, being a proactive learner. So if there are patients to see or something to do that you are willing to do it, you're willing to stay until clinic is mm -hmm. done, not looking at your watch, to get out <laughs> early. And it's really hard. It's, mm. it's true. It's, it's a huge chunk of your time and it can be um, a hard transition for going from being a medical student to doing that kind of Rotations. work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you involved in the selection of uh, residents in the matching process? So I have participated in residency selection um, this year at my current institution we um were only we only had four seats for pediatric residency and we had about 700 applications for oh, those wow. four seats so we did a i think we did like maybe 70 or 80 interviews for four spots for four spots so <laughs> you know it's there's a lot of there were a lot of people who were interested in those four spots and I did participate on that committee. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, would you be able to give any tips on how sure. to be a competitive candidate? So I think the most important thing is when you're applying, just don't apply to anything. If you're really passionate about, let's say, surgery, mm -hmm. that's what you should apply for. Mm -hmm. Don't apply to pediatrics if you're really wanting to be a surgical resident mm -hmm. because it comes through if you get an interview when you start talking about the program and what your day would look like and the patient population that you would see and mm -hmm. and that's not matching up with what you want sure, it's sure. gonna come through yeah. which makes you a less desirable mm -hmm. candidate definitely um and again to put it in the student perspective, it's not about getting a residency seat. This is the rest of your life. You mm. should really want to do what you go into because mm. it's a huge time yes. commitment yep. for you. Mm -hmm. um, I heard that some students often struggle to choose between family medicine and pediatrics. <laughs> Can you comment a little bit on that? So, I mean, there, there is overlap between the two specialties. Mm. Um, pediatrics, obviously, is just the, you're just focusing on children. Um, family medicine, you definitely have run the gamut from zero to death. Mm -hmm. um, so, a lot of family medicine programs that I have worked with don't necessarily have like a strict pediatric focus. Um, and they're, they are more focused on adult medicine or OB-GYN work. And so if you think that you want to have more of, um, of a leaning towards adult medicine, then you should look at those types of programs that have that more focus mm, on that versus the pediatric population. Mm -hmm. Um, I think both specialties are great specialties i think in the u.s especially we need more mm -hmm. of both um but again it's just you know what population do you want mm -hmm. to see that's true that's true
Um, I have a few questions specifically about IMG International Medical Graduates. So what are the advantage and disadvantage during residency um, application process or even during the residency for I, uh, being IMG? So um, the being an IMG um, is not necessarily a barrier to getting residency. I think if you look at the Pooms alumni, you'll see a good variety of you know residency choices and specializations for our class. So anywhere from surgery, neurosurgery, pediatrics, family medicine, internal medicine, like there's a good variety. Everybody has gotten something that they really wanted to do. So I don't think that's a barrier at all in applying for residency. Mm -hmm. I think what's really important is um, getting really good USMLE scores, Mm -hmm. feeling ready before you take the test, um, making sure that you're ready for your clinical skills assessment test, definitely. you want to pass that the first time Mm -hmm. Um, and then writing a strong personal statement so any failures any you know gaps in your medical career this that's the place where you have to explain Mm -hmm. those issues and then that's also a place where you can explain your strengths Mm -hmm. so you know, if you like did something really extraordinary, like we're a ballerina mm-hmm. before talking about that, or like you know, administrative sk- skills, if you were like an RA here or did some sort of organizational development here, mm-hmm. like talking about that, and then definitely talking about your passion for the specialty that you are interested in. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, th- those are some very, very good advices. Um, did you ever experience or seen any bias toward I- um, IMG? I have not experienced any biases um, being an IMG. As a matter of fact, when I tell people that I went to school in Poland, mm-hmm. I'm, I get these responses like, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think I have been really fortunate in my... Um, in my career lifetime with the choices that I have made. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I felt pretty prepared for the challenges that I needed to go through mm-hmm. I see. after after graduating. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give some advice to students that are currently in their last year, they're doing their away rotation, they're applying for residency? Mm-hmm. What advice would you give them? So I think what's really important when you're doing those away rotations is making sure that you are showing your commitment to those specialties. And when choosing your rotations, you know, choosing rotations that are in line with what you are going to apply for, for residency. So if you're interested in internal medicine but your rotations are all in pediatrics it doesn't really line up Mm -hmm. and so it's not just about getting an away rotation 
in something, it's really about getting an away rotation in what you're interested in. I see. Um, what about the students that are still not quite there yet, the students that are still in their basic science years or maybe just gone to clinical years? What can they do during this period of time to make them a more competitive candidate? So again, definitely focusing on um, passing step one and step two with as high of a score as possible mm -hmm. is really important um, because you want to really stand out when you apply. Mm -hmm. um, if you are able to do like extra, extra stuff, whether it is like you're able to do volunteer work or like you're working in the emergency room mm -hmm. or you like took a summer and you came to a U.S. lab and was able to do some research mm -hmm. or even do a research project here, I mean, that would be great too. Mm -hmm. So anything extra that shows a commitment to medicine is really important in the first two years. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is like passing your step one and step two <laughs> with as high a score as possible. As possible. Mm -hmm. So there's no limit of step one score, I suppose. <laughs> There isn't, and I, you know, if you were an American student, um, I would tell you the same thing. If That's you true. were in the U.S., I mm. would still say, because to keep in mind that not all U.S. medical graduates are matching. Mm. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we always um, always um, assumed that they were matched first or, or something like that, or they were um, preferred compared to other students? I mean, there is, um, I, I wouldn't call it preference, but there is like a system in place with the match. And so organizations like at a larger level can determine if they are going to be able to support um, foreign medical graduates, and if they're not, the like they can clump in U.S. citizens who are doing mm -hmm. residency yes. outside of the states yep. into that group and mm -hmm. exclude them. Mm -hmm. But you know, again, if yeah. you're own like, which then limits even for U.S. students. Mm -hmm. Positions, That's true, yeah. Right? Because yeah, not yeah. everybody in the U.S. is at the very top. That's true. That's true. That's right? true. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, I think that will conclude our interview for today. Thank you so much for coming today. Yeah. Um, we really appreciate uh, all the advice and all the stories. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.